Hello, my name's Gizzy Erskine. And I'm Sydney Lima, and this is Sex Live and DM Slides. Where we invite our celebrity friends to dive deep into their DM boxes to see what terrors lurk within. We'll be chatting about online trolls, online dating, perverted proposals, and why everyone's so weird on social media. Sex and Lies and DM Slides. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wait, we're back. We're back. It's Gizzy Erskine. And Sydney Lima. <laughs> With your weekly dose of sex lies and DM slides. A bit less itchy than chlamydia, but only a bit. Why would it be itchy? I've never had chlamydia. Who am I trying to kid? Wait, I don't know if chlamydia is itchy. I don't know either. I just assumed. You do know, didn't you? <laughs> I've genuinely never had chlamydia. Have Why you? are you saying our podcast itchy? Because <laughs> you said we're back with our weekly dose. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, You've ruined dear. my Speaking of STIs, <laughs> I'm wearing him for my check bag. So, Gizzy, I've been trying to slide into this guy's DM. Go on. So, he's quite fit. Look, so, I'm just showing you a picture of it. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, this guy he's is. From, he's from, I think he's Swedish. Oh, wow. So anyway, sh- look, this is how terrible my sliding into DMs is. And that is why I kind of empathise with anyone who's failing to do the same. So, he posted a picture of a film and I just responded to the story... Great film. Okay, and he's not he's not got back to you. <laughs> he didn't even read it. That, that's the worst <laughs> bit. Is when you've like gone to the effort of like, can you at least read it? Yeah. How many how many followers does he have? Oh, eighteen thousand. No blue tick. No blue tick. I mean, he he's very very good looking. He's so fit. I think he's gay. Oh well, that might. <laughs> there we go. Get off jail free card. Yeah, yeah. right there. What have you been up to? What have I been doing other than being single and crying? Um, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. What what, so, you were sending me messages earlier, weren't you? The screenshots. Yeah, so let me... I'm just going to go through. I've had quite a few people sliding into my DMs this week. Somebody did the very kind offer of offering to impregnate me. Oh, finally! I know. <laughs> Got there in the end. I just want to find out what he said. So he slid into my DMs and he said... You're really gorgeous, babe. I mean, sexy as fuck. Heart, heart. Why are you assuming that he's from a Cockney? That was that a Cockney accent. So was a bit how do you, know he's, co- like, oh, how do you know he's Cockney? Um, Let's see the picture. Hang, I can't find. I actually, oh. this is a screen grab. I can easily make you a mama. Thank you, because that's all I've wanted in life is to yeah, become a parent. Be a mama. That's nice. Did you reply? Although it's going to be a cold, lonely winter, maybe that's quite a good plan. Um, Should have taken up on the mama duty. You've I, had you had a couple as well this week, didn't you? Yeah, I have. I mean, why why do you think that that's the ultimate goal? That it's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna impregnate you as the you you know what you're gagging, you're thotty, you're thirsty. I'll make you a baby me. mama. Yeah, like why? 
Is that sexy? I what mean, was I, it in response to? Do you remember? I or was it just a random I, message? I think it's just random. I I've think never it, been get offered sperm. Haven't you? I got I got offered. Um, I got asked. Oh God, no! I actually got asked if I would be a donor. For a sperm donor. <laughs> <laughs> egg baby, egg. Oh, that's yeah. quite nice. You, um, are, you do have excellent genes. Thanks, uh, baby. No, um, I actually... I said, <laughs> she just passed, she touched my knee with my actually very nice genes. They are very from, nice genes. Uh, Suzanne, actually. Gizzy. Plug, plug, plug. Um, no, um, I, I screenshotted it at the time. I sent it to my mum and I was like, mum, do you think I should do that, this? They're offering me about 50 grand. Ooh. Um, but she was like, no, Sydney. She took it really seriously because I was kind of semi-joking. And she was like, no, Sydney, you're going to have like a, you'll have like a child running around and you won't know where they are and all this stuff. I mean, I mean that's she was kind point. of like talking about me running around as a child and not knowing where I was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's quite, I mean, that's Would quite you do a huge it? thing. 50 grand for an egg. I mean, it's meant to not be one, agony. Not a scraping. It's meant to be agony. And also, I guess, for me, I suppose, because I'm not sure if I do want children, I know I want the circumstance. You know, I want to be in love. I want to feel like I'm in a very solid, cherished comfortable situation or then I would choose to do it without it like I just I just don't know how I feel maternally mm. um and I thank god I've got to 41 not being desperate for having a kid mm. so it's been able to like mean that every date dating scenario I go into doesn't mean the mm. end goal is to husband and then impregnate me like this guy's offering yeah but 50 grand <laughs> I don't know that's quite I mean I I probably, know, I, if you bartered it bartered it to 100 I probably would I would never do it I kind of have like a weird way of like looking at it I don't think I'd be willing to have like my mum said a little me walking around that isn't yeah, I mean, it wouldn't. You'd never be able to not get that out of your head. I think. And also, like, what if they did that thing when they come find you? What do you mean? Oh, they came to find you. Like, right. No, no. The, so the yeah. egg turns into a child. Yeah. <laughs> and then the child comes knocking one day and says, "I think that'd be quite Sydney, cool." you're my mum. Yeah. Right. So who have we got on today, Giddy? My good friend Jeannie Crystal. Jeannie is she's been a stripper for many, many years. She's really a, an inspiration. She's taken her position as being a stripper, and now she works in teaching ethics within strip clubs she's huge in the queer and trans scene and trying to change um how people act and behave in strip clubs in with regards to queer and trans people and also making a more inclusive vibe oh yeah and i thought it was quite interesting because there's the whole stuff around coronavirus and the way that strippers how they're having to adapt to that i find her really fascinating because she's you know hyper intelligent hyper sensitive she's really conscious of so many different um aspects of this in industry that is an actual industry and she's kind of utilizing it as a very kind-hearted businesswoman who's actually making hugely progressive changes and i just thought mm. Jeannie had a really insightful perspective on all of that so over to Jeannie. today we have got our friend Jeannie crystal on Woo! <laughs> how did you get into the industry so I was actually a DJ first and I was DJing at Browns and then um, what they do like is they have these stage shows and when the girls would go on to do their show they would leave their like purse by me and I just remember like having a sneak peek inside one once and thought I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> what was in there? Just loads of money. Oh just, right, like, I see what you're saying. <laughs> So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. <laughs> so I did a bit of research and there was this girl doing a TED talk on dancing. Mm -hmm. And I got in contact with her and I was like, where do you think is the best club? And she told me about 23 Paul Street. 
And I went there and got the job. So that was it, really. That was the start of the journey. What's it like when you're auditioning for these jobs? So, Paul Street differs greatly from any of the other clubs. It's because you don't actually have to dance to audition. They just sat me down and asked me all these like really strange questions like, so if you had your own club, what would the decor be like? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. And, like, you know, how, how would you protect the women that worked for you? And I didn't take my clothes off, I didn't dance. What happens if you turned up and you'd, like... Well, I think I think Paul Street differs from the other clubs because it's more of a like a house party. Mm. There's a lot of talking. More, it's more of a like a girlfriend experience, I suppose you could call it that. Oh, because it's in the city, like, and I'm assuming there's maybe it's a bit more expensive than other places. I mean, I once had a friend who was a stripper who said that on her audition, she was kind of more quizzed on uh, politics and stuff like that because she'd be having to speak to these guys. Is that the same for you? They are city guys and they like to talk a lot Mm. about certain things, yeah. Politics being one of them, how much money they have maybe being another. (laughs) (laughs) So how do they compare to other strip clubs? So when... Have you been to a strip club? Yeah, Yeah. I went to Browns. You've been to Browns. I got very, very, very drunk. Yeah. (laughs) So Browns is like, I think, a real classic, like, old school strip club. There's a stage, you have naked shows. It's kind of that, like, pound in a pot vibe where, you know, the girl does her collection for the dance and then she makes private dances. So there's no poles at Paul Street. So in the basement, the guys come in and then if you want to chat to them, you do. Mm. And then you have, like, sit-downs. It sells time. So, like... An hour is a certain fee, and they normally spend about five hours there. And we have fancy dress and stuff like that, and they like to get into that. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So it's so it kind of like sounds like the fun strip club. If yeah, you're gonna go. It is fun. It what, is fun. What are the guys like? What's a I typical mean, punter? I mean, it's varied, but you know what a city guys like. You know, like they they have so they spend so much time making money that. The, the small amount of fun that they can have, they have to, like, cram it into, like, this five hours of, like, really intense, debauched fun, you yeah. know. A bit Wolf of Wall Street kinds of kinds yeah. of vibes, you know. So let's kind of paint the picture here. So you walk in mm. as a punter, mm. and what do you see? So you see a harem of different women in, like, amazing outfits. Like, we're really encouraged to be, like, super glam. And there's a beautiful bar and there's a DJ. And then it is like essentially like a date or something, you know, or if you see someone across the bar and you catch their eye, you go and chat to them and be like, you all right? How are you? How's your day? Mm. Would you like to spend some time with me? Mm. (laughs) And that's it. And then you take them upstairs and sometimes they get the karaoke machine out. Sometimes they get... (laughs) Wow. This this sounds like a great Gizzy's in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I personally like dancing for couples and I like spending time with couples. Mm. And we do get quite a few couples that come through there because it's like just a bit more of an interesting experience to, yeah. you know, be part of this open kind of environment with normally a heterosexual couple, mm. you know. Do you think um, it's a place where people can go rather than just to be voyeuristic where they can actually sort of partially live out their fantasies then? I think so, yeah, definitely. And that's I think that's very much part of the job, like trying to identify what it is that someone kind of wants from you and then play in that role. Mm. Like I take that to quite the extreme where 
I have a wig. Obviously, we all have different names and very, like I dress very differently to maybe that I would, would normally. So I have this whole persona that I take to work. It's like method acting or whatever. You know? <laughs> Who's most likely to overstep the line in these situations? Women. Women. Definitely That's women. interesting women, because definitely. when I've been to a strip club, I think I was overstepping the line. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have like, as well. Because yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, I'm a woman too, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. We're, on the, we're on the same team. And is it fine? I mean, I personally don't mind because like I associate as queer, so like I love it you know yeah. but it's against the law so they shouldn't do that you <laughs> yeah. have to be like stop it you're gonna get me fired but yeah women definitely get really really involved or on the you know on the opposite side of crossing the line i've heard some of the worst things being said to dancers from women as well oh really? quite so like so like i remember this one woman coming with a group of guys they obviously all work together and she's looked around the room and she and this was when i was managing and she was like have you got any better product <gasps> and I was Roderick. So, why? Why? Do I you... was so shocked. I was like, "Wow, girl." Whoa. Whoa. Why do you think women tend to be, speak more like this? Do you think they're trying to act like how they consider men would act in that situation? I think sometimes because of the taboo around, um, you know, owning your sexuality and women that go into these industries I think some women just find it so threatening that they don't know how to deal with the situation and just get a bit nasty it's also quite patriarchal isn't it I suppose Mm. if you are in an industry like the city and you kind of had to have a seat at that table Mm. and start assimilating that behavior Mm. maybe that is a reason why but the guy that sat was sat next to her was also quite like embarrassed I saw like we all just kind of like yeah (laughs) it was awful so yeah on, on both sides of the scale women can can normally be a bit more out of control. That's, that's quite <laughs> interesting, though. I think as well, many people haven't been inside strip clubs and do have a perception of it that's mm-hmm. just, like, so wrong from what it actually is. And obviously, more men use, this space, use those spaces, but that's something that I think really needs to be challenged, that it, everyone should use those spaces. They mm-hmm. are fun, they're adult, they're consensual, it's entertainment, it's erotic. Mm-hmm. If more people got on board with that autonomy and agency, mm. I think it'd be. I do think it'd be better for like society. And, and you're yeah. you're really making it your position there to really bring a new dynamic and a new way of thinking within the strip club. So, do you want to explain how that manufactures itself? Yeah. So, harpies was something that I conceived with a couple of other women and we made it one of the first trans spaces so trans women were having jobs and uh, we catered basically to everyone and all different gender representations could come and work for us on that one night and it just worked out like really really beautifully it's like an it was just a beautiful night because finally everyone was kind of everyone's sexuality was being celebrated and in like a communal way so yeah that's my kind of goal is to keep these spaces open and keep them being more progressive so just to clarify is harpies a night yeah it's a strip night uh we do it in metropolis which is a strip club well we used to i don't know if it will ever happen again but before and it's a striptease night um yeah that that centers trans women what um, does the average panther look like who goes into a trans-centred strip club? Well, obviously, like, a lot younger, a lot freer, you know, a lot... It's a lot more varied in women and guys are there. Mm. And it's just a bit more celebratory because I think because it's new mm. and it's this idea of celebrating new bodies and new spaces. Yeah. 
and sex positive is the word. But would you would you tend to go if you were? It's like going to fetch club. Would you go if you knew and and you knew that this was a safe space, or would there be? A, people that would come off the street going, oh, here's a strip club, I'm going to go, and then sometimes be a bit alarmed. I think for us, there was a responsibility that came with making a space like that. So if there was like 10 lads coming in off the street, I would have probably been like, Mm. this isn't for you. Because I'm not sure you're going to be able to handle how this space is <laughs> operating, and I can't be responsible for whatever prejudice that you mm. might secretly be, be holding him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, when I was a dancer in like the straight strip club, there was a lot of confession from straight men about like you know oppressed homosexuality and just wanting all sorts of things and. You know, they've got a wife, they've got kids, they live this very heteronormative life and then all this other desire was kind of whispered into my ear. That's <laughs> It's interesting that you're probably like half stripping and half having to cancel. Complete, it's therapy. Yeah. You are like, you, you oscillate between like, you know, like therapist, mother, whore, yeah. um, I don't know what, what other word you would call it, friend. You know, it's, you're always kind of... Um, shape-shifting depending mm. on what someone wants from you and I feel like a lot of these men needed proper therapy mm. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean like that sexually their lives had been quite stunted what is um I think you mentioned to Hayden our producer this kind of mother whore complex thing when so do people go in there expecting both mother and whore from you or is yeah, it definitely. like that, that's how I see it like that's how I read it and then you know like when you look at art and I think you can see it in artworks as well you know like the Virgin Mary but she's also this person that's like part of like a religious iconography I don't know there's something in it where I did feel like sometimes you were mothering them Mm. more than like trying to be sexually aroused yeah (laughs) people do get off from the mother thing don't they oh yeah of course (laughs) of course they do I mean, still some of the most searched porn is uh, oh, to do with your yes, family. Yes, it is. So strange. <laughs> do, so um, strange. do many strippers ever cross into other avenues in, in sex work? Yeah, definitely. I mean, since the clubs have been closed, a lot of people have gone into doming because they've had to. Um, obviously, OnlyFans is this huge, yeah. like, it's taken over, basically. I don't know anyone because because of what I do at the club is so well paid. Um, people that go into like full service sex work, which is obviously that speaks for itself, mm. doesn't it? They, I think that's quite separate to stripping. I think they're quite two very separate worlds. So it's not very common to cross into full not sex really. work because because you've got such a good deal if you're at a club like that, and you know you're earning so much money. I'm not saying it's like the perfect job in the world, it's not, but for women that kind of want to go up the class ladder a bit quicker. Explain. It's distribution of wealth, essentially, Mm -hmm. isn't it? It's going straight to you from the top of the Straight from the bankers. Yeah. (laughs) I felt like Robin Hood sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you have regulars? Yeah, I had regulars, yeah. Yeah, they, it def- you definitely get those guys that keep coming back to see you and like, you Any know. gifts? Yeah, I've had a few gifts. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had some phones and a sh- some shoes and some bags and stuff that just, you know, go straight on eBay or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Have you ever found yourself into, in a sketchy scenario, though? Sketchy scenario. Nothing that I was, like, horrified by. I mean, I've, I've had more sketchy situations in my personal life than in the strip club because the mm. strip club has rules and mm. the strip club has men that are, like, there to protect you as well. Yeah. So it's so different to outside. If anything, I've, I've had way more sexual sketchy situations outside. In real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In real life, most definitely. How has your experience as a stripper helped inform your your night you put on with, in regards to the safety? So <clears throat> I was... When I was dancing, I was also knocking about with, like... Because um, you had Monroe on, who used to do Pussy Pants. Yeah. yeah. I was knocking about in those circles and BBZ, which is a um, queer art collective, and they were really into this idea of creating safe spaces. And so I got to learn a lot from them of how to do door policies, uh, you know, and how to have a briefing all of the nightclub. And I just put the stripping aspect of just the business model, I took that and then kind of mixed it with a queer night with performance and that that's what i like about it like so i was i was doing nights at, at like queer venues like vogue fabrics mm. and the queen adelaide which mm. is another queer pub and bringing like queer performance and strippers together to perform was like such such a vibe like, but it makes perfect sense as well yeah it does because these same people i think are suffering similar discriminations in society yeah. for being deviant or being taboo or being whatever people's preconceptions they have of, of of us but actually like you say I, I just feel like I've met some of the most intelligent people and just their liberation of politics mm. has really made me feel quite quite a free woman do you know what I mean I feel empowered by the whole thing by the whole journey it's really interesting how naturally these two worlds do marry and performance being the operative side of it you know it's most, like... de- most definitely it's like being a stripper to me was basically like being a drag queen and when I watch queens I'm like yeah you're you're performing a hyper version of femininity and that's exactly what I was doing in the club you know I was just amplifying my sexuality is there a difference between performing as a stripper well performance and stripping for me personally I don't think there is I think it's all the same set of values And interestingly enough, I was also working for an artist at the time when I first started dancing. And uh, I had to perform naked. And all these, like, old men were coming, like, sitting there for, like, the whole day with their, like, hands in their pockets. Oh, really? And I was just like, do you know what? Like, no one was kind of protecting us from that. And it was like... I just kind of thought this is all the same thing. This is looking at art, but it's not really. It's exactly the same as what happens in the club. And... It's been consumed in a bit more of a a bit more of a disempowering way, I thought, because I didn't have control over the situation. Mm. So then 
yeah, I just thought, I'm going to do this all the time in the club and earn loads of money and be totally empowered by it instead of trying to make it into some, like, high art, like, you know, inspiring people. It's, it's bullshit. It's, it is what it is, basically. What, what do you think about um, uh, stripping being seen as a trade based on men paying to sexually access women's bodies do you, um, and it being fundamentally incompatible with sex equality? I mean, again... That's why I started Harpies because I think there is an imbalance of it that it's so heterosexual and it's so male heterosexual. It's all about that desire. Same as pornography, really. We've only really seen a shift in pornography with ethical ethical porn and like porn that's more about women's desire. Mm. It's the same thing. It just needs there just needs to be more representation and more people need to use those spaces because at the end of the day we're all adults we all like sexual arousal we all like mm. eroticism mm. there's n- there's not a problem with any of that it is the imbalance to it of that it is mostly men mm. that use these spaces so I, ca- I kind of half agree to that statement in a way but. I don't think that's a reason to try and shut them down. I would prefer to try and make them more progressive. And what what about, you know, I mean, people, God, you know, we know wrongly perceive uh, weed being the gateway drug into (laughs) heroin. (laughs) You know, do people sometimes look at stripping as the gateway drug into sort of more extreme, uh, the more extreme side of um, sex working? Most definitely. I think they think as well that, like, there's loads of girls in there that have been, like, trafficked to something and it's like... People think that people are like, you know, being forced into it. And it's not a gateway. It's like you say, like weed's a gateway drug. You'll do what you're going to do. And at the end of the day, like people that want to like abolish sex work, I just don't think it's a realistic goal. Mm. I just, it's just not realistic. It's not going to happen, you know. Do you think it should be, well, I guess it is legalised, isn't it? What's the word? It should be regulated. Oh, God. What's yeah, regulated. Like, decrim- de- de- do you think it should be decriminalised? From what I know, you know, I haven't worked in that part of the industry, but there's a really great book called Revolting Prostitutes by mm. a girl called Juno yeah, I Mack. I can't think who the other girl is that wrote it. But they write about full-service sex work and and the laws around it. And from that book, I was pretty much convinced that it should be decriminalised. Just for things like, when it's criminalised, like, workers can't work together because if you are found in... If you're found selling sex to women in one house, it's classed as a brothel. So that, that encourages women to work on their own, which obviously then opens them up for more danger because they haven't got someone to look out for them. I think there has been some real tragic situations of women, you know, being really hurt because of this. So that's one reason. Mm. But there's a few, really, just so it can be regulated better and mm. the women feel they have a voice so they can go to the police if something goes wrong. What comes under the sex sex work uh, structure? I mean, does, is stripping still considered sex work? This is this is a funny one. Like some people say it is, some people say it isn't. I mean, mm. I think it is. Of course, it is. Yeah. But again, it's like when people say sex work, or mm. I'm a sex, people are like, it makes people really nervous. I think. But yeah, I think it's all part of it. But you know, then you could say as well. There was a whole. There's a whole thing of like that women that go on sugardaddy.com, you know, and look for an older man to to buy, to pay her rent and buy her bags, and she has sex with them. Sex work, right? Yeah, sex work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with sex work. I'm having sex at sex work, I'm sure. But but yeah, if it's stripping cool, it sort of, as you said, it could be a sort of borderline performance thing. Yeah. Women should be able to make a choice of what they want to do and whether that is to do sex work or not, as long as it's a educated and autonomous decision. It's coming from a decision of power, not desperation. Mm. I don't really see what the problem is. And with the idea of objectification... 
for me, that's such a funny term because when you're a stripper, you, you talk to that person. You can decide exactly when you work. You can decide how much time you want to spend with someone. You can decide if you want to walk out the door. You know, like, I I'm, you're autonomous and empowered way more than when I'm standing doing, like, a hospitality job for £7 mm. pounds an hour mm. and I'm told to act this way, yeah. wear mm. this, taking my time. Yeah. All my time, and then at the end of it, I've got 100 quid in my bank. Mm. What am I going to do with that? Mm. I feel way more objectified in that sense than I do when I'm doing sex work because it gives me a financial freedom. And unfortunately, we do live in a capitalist structure and I need financial freedom. Mm. <laughs> How is it that kind of new wave feminists and men who buy sex are now allies? Uh, I don't know if we're allies. I think that <laughs> that's... Um, we're not allies. That That's taking it a bit too far, but... Um, I think that, like a lot of things, like you know, like race theory and feminism, it's it's kind of been propelled into the mainstream media, but it's actually quite a nuanced conversation. Yeah. It's like I don't really need some guy being like, "Yeah, keep my strip club open." That doesn't yeah. really do, that doesn't really do much for my cause at all. You know, we'll do the protesting, the women mm. that run those industries, and then you know, you just come and and use the service. I don't need you to be politically shouting for or supporting me we can do that ourselves you know but yeah <laughs> we're not allies <laughs> so how's how has things changed during lockdown well um the councils won't give us our licenses back which is strange because we are the most like social dis- distance space you could possibly get mm. in the whole of the en- entertainment industry like you have to be two meters away from us um and a lot of the spaces are, are closing really yeah a lot of space of closing and it's leaving a lot of like a lot of my friends and a lot of the community also with like queer performance as well because all the nightclubs are shut just struggling Mm. and really worried like where where we're going to make money from next do do you think that that means that the movement and is going to be going onto social media yeah there there actually has been a really cool strip club called cybertees and they do it online on zoom and i think they've been doing really well um but the only thing is with like online stuff is they do censor it and eventually they probably will shut it down like on Instagram when we were when we were advertising like the club which is completely legal you know it's legal there's Mm. a strip club's legal but they kept censoring us and shadow banning us isn't that mad when you can actually go into a u-porn yeah, I know. And, then, and see, like, some pretty extreme accidents. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Do, do you have Instagram? Uh, yeah, I do. Do you kind of tie it to your work at all? Sometimes, like, I don't, I don't ever, I wouldn't give my Instagram to, like, my clients because I wouldn't want them to know where I am all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that anything dodgy could happen. It's just, like, you know, you wouldn't tell your boss at at Tesco or whatever, where you're at every day either, would you? You yeah. know, it's like a professionalism, like a, a separate thing, work and play kind of thing, you know. But, but that said, do, have you ever had anyone sort of overstepping the mark and going into your Instagram? I, I had some guy message me the other day and was like, I love your feet, can I worship your feet? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> And I was quite happy. I don't know how he found me, but I was quite like, okay, that's cool. Um, but have I ever had anyone overset the mark? I had one guy that used to just like send me letters to the club quite regularly. Um, 
which was kind of weird because I kind of cut him off because he was just just a little bit too intense with me like I think he was in love with me and I was like okay this needs to stop like I do have a heart like I'm not gonna like you know really uh, exploit you when I think you might be catching feelings have you ever yeah. fallen for someone never <laughs> <laughs> never 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 I, I had actually quite an amazing night once with this girl she come in with her boss and I think they were having an affair and she was quite young but she was really rich and she was so attractive. I really, really fancied her. And he kind of picked up on this and got angry and left. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and left. And then she carried on paying for the rest of the evening. I love her. Yeah, she was so cool. And she was like, you know, me and you should meet up after this, blah, blah. And I was like, look, you're married to a heart surgeon. You're going to have a really great life. Let's just leave this here, OK? <laughs> I think true liberation or true autonomy is when, as an adult, you can just pick whatever you want to pick mm. as long as you're safe and everyone's consenting, you know? Yeah. Like, surely that's what we're going for, like, as a, a empathetic society that understands each other's needs mm. and whether they're sexually or not. If, if you had a kid, would you let them be a stripper? I'd let them do whatever they wanted to do. It's got nothing to do with me. My job as a parent is to educate that woman or or educate that person and give them the skills to be able to go into any situation and have a great time you know and that's it really and is does this is this representative of your own relationship with your family or yes i mean i didn't tell my parents just because i just felt like it's they don't need to know like they don't need to know but i mean my father knows i get up to all kinds of stuff whether we found out i don't think it would break his heart or anything mm. like that yeah you know, it is what it is. He was a nightclub owner, so I was brought, I was brought right. up in that industry. And right. he very much encouraged me as a young woman to, like, go wherever you want to go, do whatever you want to do, you know, don't let anyone tell you can't go anywhere and don't judge anyone. They'd take me to gay pride from the age of, like, seven, you know, like, it was always quite open in that way in my house. So would you say there's a, there's a little element of shame around it if you don't feel like you can tell your dad? Not shame, just I just don't want him to worry, you know, like, I don't want him. And obviously he's a man, he's an old school man, yeah. he understands men. And I think, obviously no one wants to think of their, it's quite patriarchal again, yeah. but their little girl, yeah. <laughs> in inverted commas, mm. as as being in those environments, maybe. Mm. So what do they think you do? <laughs> I don't know what they think I do, to be honest. They probably know and I don't, I don't realise. You know, they're actually they're like, big followers of our podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, and my sister knows and my sister was like so, like she was like cool. She was like, yeah, go for it. Mm. Love it. She's like, can you get me a job? <laughs> do you think that now um, with social media and how... We are exposed to so much more and in some respects we are a bit more forgiving these yeah. days. Do you think that that's maybe the the process that we're going towards? I think so. Like, you know, characters like Cardi B and Amber Rose, mm. these women that are very, very open about how they got their money. Mm. Yeah, I think we are. And I think people like Megan Thee Stallion and like her lyrics and this like kind of like, yeah, this is my body, I do what I want with it, take his money kind of vibe mm. if he's not 
providing you with what you need and also sexually if he's not providing with you what you need get him out that I think that's good for women I think it's good in, I think they're good lessons what what do you think about celebrities like Instagrammers like people like Bella Fawn who's now mm. using OnlyFans and taking money from sex workers yeah. I think that's so so like such a privileged standpoint and I don't really like it I have to say I feel it's like she doesn't have to do that and yeah. sex workers have built that platform up yeah. and now she just kind of rolls in and, and takes a million pounds she's taking, yeah she's making millions yeah <laughs> I don't just, know. she's the number one I think the number yeah. one only Fans I don't I don't know if I'm there for that completely just because the yeah. stigma the stigma like the stigma that like normal sex workers have to go through she has bypassed mm. all of that yeah. or arguably, arguably she's made it more accessible and progressed it in another true yeah maybe I just think she saw an opportunity and took it yeah <laughs> which is fair but, but, enough, but the I fact think. that she's she's sort of so famous for and actually first and foremost her acting yeah and then now taking it to another level it makes it you know exposes it in a different way and it maybe it definitely does well it takes away from on one hand i reckon it does give quite a lot back in the other you know I and cardi b she's she's on only fans as well isn't yeah she? yeah but obviously cardi b like started in the club yeah, and, like we enough. knew her as a dancer didn't mm. we and she was very i think there hasn't been many women i think there's been lots of stars that have done sex work mm. but there's not many women that have stood up there and been like yes this is yeah. who i was in mm. such an unashamed way mm. and like and such a powerful way i think cardi like went I don't know if you watch Love and Hip Hop, but there's a scene where this girl was like shady to her and it was obvious she, it was because she was a stripper. And Cardi was like, come on, bitch, tell me why you don't like me. Say it, say it out loud. And was like kind of forcing this girl to be like, you're a whore and I'm scared of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a lovely place to wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for coming so on, Jeannie. Much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to our Spotify original podcast, Sex Lies and DM Slides. Please follow us on Spotify and tell all your mates about it if you enjoyed it. And if you have any weird and wonderful Sex Lies and DM Slides stories of your own, do slide into our DMs at Sydney Lima and at Gizzy Erskine. No dick pics, please. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sex Lies DM Slides. This Spotify original podcast is a Hayden Prowse production edited by Steve Hankey with music by Free Seed Films. Our executive producers at Spotify are Rachel Simpson and Alexandra Aidy. 